Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Reese, and it's showtime again here at Berks County, Pennsylvania, folks. Southeast Pennsylvania, Delaware Valley. We are the source for authenticity and exactitude, and we are that because you've made us that, folks. We're there because you identified our show as a guidepost for truth. Folks, we're going to have a pause today. We're going to pause today for plenty of prudent opining on the Chinese coronavirus in China and what's going on over there, as well as some climate change discussions going on right now in the world and what people are struggling with with climate change. And we're also going to have some discussions on the movie attendance collapse. Folks, we're going to have discussions as well on the uh, speakership and the U.S. House of Representatives, and we'll have that and a whole lot more coming at you in the speed of sound. So buckle your seatbelts, and if there is no seatbelts, folks, just get a good hold, because we're moving very quickly at the speed of sound. So thanks again for being with us this morning, this beautiful Saturday morning, right here in Southeast Pennsylvania on 1180 WFYL, as you are every Saturday, 7 a.m., right here on this show. show. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump right into it. Folks, what's going on right now in China is pretty amazing. What's, um, what's happening right now is the Chinese coronavirus is now hitting the people in China harder because they have, they don't have the herd immunity. Quite frankly, what's been going on now and what's been going on in this country because we've been open for business for now a little over a year is that people have had the, the virus are now getting over it and they're having it for the second, third, and fourth times. And what happens is their bodies become immune to it. In China, they've had mandatory vaccination nation as well as mandatory lockdowns. And a Chinese lockdown, a lockdown in China is tantamount to being welded welded shut in your house. Uh, that's what happens in China. They lock people up. They put them in their homes. And uh, because they have human, human, tra- uh, human tracking going on over there, they actually have, they track all their, their Chinese citizens everywhere. So... You know, they're, they're, they've got their, you know, they, the, what's going on right now is pretty, pretty amazing. See, no one inside or outside of China seriously believes the absurd claim that from the, the duplicitous communist regime that virtually no one has died during the massive wave of COVID infections sweeping the country. So it's noting what we're seeing, uh, for instance, what we just noted earlier in the week is that the pretense is growing more difficult to sustain now because some high-profile Chinese celebrities are dying from the COVID virus. Look, strictly speaking, the regime claims a, a remarkable number of Chinese public figures coinc- coincidentally died for no particular reason, just just as the worst outbreak of the entire pandemic is hitting every corner of the of this nation, of this Chinese communist country. You know, look, for example, they, got, they had some, some famous people like the uh, opera singer Xu Lanlin, uh, she experienced an abrupt departure, if you will, from the mortal world in December, despite being a healthy 40-year-old woman. Okay, so, no, that wasn't COVID. No, no COVID here, folks. And then on New Year's Day, a beloved actor named Gan Jingtang, a star of a TV show that ran for 20 years, died abruptly at 83. And, of course, that's somebody dying at 83, but the Chinese social media was flooded with tearful tributes from fans convinced he was killed by the Omicron coronavirus wave, which, as usual for Chinese coronavirus, is more dangerous for older people. Well, we know that. 
You know, so I mean, you know, I mean, the bottom line is uh, Gong's longtime co-star Hugh Yodfin said when uh, when this individual passed, okay, was uh, you know rather clearly implying that Gong didn't die from natural causes. Said, please God, treat the elderly more, the elderly better. Uh, look, the bottom line is this wave have have really the people have really claimed this wave of coronavirus if you will claimed many elders lives and uh you know the people are noticing it i mean that's just what's happening okay you have other celebrity deaths from the past month include Ni zen an 84 year old screenwriter of the 1991 classic raise the red lantern i wonder what that's about red lantern communist lantern maybe i don't know then the younger director wang jinjong whose biggest hit was 2013's Never Come Back. I wonder what that was about, a Never Come Back hit. Uh, was that come back to uh, the free market enterprise? I don't know. Art professor Wu Gingying, who designed the 2008 Olympic mascot, and the 87-year-old journalist Hugh, Hugh Fuming. Well, this guy, that, that last person I just mentioned, Hugh Fuming, he, he later became an author and professor at Nanjing University. So Chinese media counted this guy as uh, one of the 16 noted scientists and engineers who died during the Christmas week. I mean, you got commentators that, you know, they're, they're incredulous. Uh, they're, they're being, they're, right now, they're, they're incredulous that the cause of death wasn't made public for any of them. Fueling speculation that they died from the bad flu, as they're calling it. You know, that what's going on right now in China, folks, is very, very telling, okay? I mean, they, there's these people dying all over the place, and, you know, that, they're, they're, they're on lockdown, and now they're trying to open up, and people are getting sick. People are getting sick, and it's just an amazing thing. Uh, you know, I mean, literally, they're they're turning the street. They're basically turning street cremations on right now because they can't get the cremations going fast enough. The death counts are mounting high. Of course, the dishonest Chinese government, I mean, that's I should say the dishonest communist Chinese government, but that would be an oxymoron to say that, or I should say that would be redundant to say that, an oxymoron. It would be it would be a redundant to say it's a dishonest communist Chinese government because all Chinese all communists are dishonest. So I don't need to you know dishonest communists is saying uh, you know basically it's redundant because all communists are dishonest. And anyway, going on from that, uh, but basically they're claiming that fewer than two dozen people, folks, um, have died nationwide during this. I mean, literally, they're they're saying more look, fewer than two dozen have died during the massive coronavirus outbreak sweeping the country but the real numbers believed to be in the thousands and could be heading into the hundreds of thousands or even more millions i mean you got funeral parlors and crematoriums being overwhelmed by the dead so from, so you know a lot of these families are resorting to amateur cremations in the streets now this is this was on it again this was a story i believe in the new york post earlier in the week that described unverified images circulating on social media of Chinese burning their loved ones in parking lots and roadside events, basically, is horrifying. We've all seen it if we're watching this on social media. I think what's really telling, and you're seeing this, you're seeing that they're literally, uh, there's so many people, the crematories are overwhelmed. I mean, it's forcing people to, dur- to burn bodies of their family members on the streets, and this is what's going on. And there's actual videos of that. If you go to uh, the social media, you'll see it. I guess there was some woman on a, in some article that I picked up somewhere, it was a woman in Shanghai ex- explained uh, her decision to cremate, cremate her own dad on social media and dared the authorities to stop her. So she actually put it on social media and she cremated her own dad. She says, I tried, her, her comment on social media was, I tried multiple paths to cremate 
cremate my father, but none have worked. So the funeral services hotline told her that all cremation slots are full until after the new year. So since national law doesn't allow patients who die of infectious diseases to be stored at home, she had no alternative but to find an empty patch in the neighborhood to cremate her dad. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. That's what a communist country looks like. Okay, make no mistake. And they're overwhelmed right now with the deaths that are going on. You know, I mean, she made the comments. She's like, do you have a problem with this? Call the cops. You know, there's nothing I can do. You know, she lives in Shanghai. Now, Shanghai is a huge city. I think Shanghai is one of the, well, it's it's big as New York or bigger. And, uh, you know, it, its residents, its neighbors reported reportedly called the cops and the local officials to prevent her from carrying out a cremation plant. So I guess they stopped her. But Radio Free Asia, it's funny, they used to have Radio Free Europe. Radio Free Europe. I'm old enough to remember Radio Free Europe. Uh, it was the it was the the free radio, if you will, that took place before the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Before that occurred in 1989, they had Radio Free Europe. Well, now they got Radio Free Asia, and it's doing reports, if you will, on constant reporting, if you will, on how China's handling these cremations and how these people are doing it themselves. Uh, you know, basically dropping their loved ones off at mortuaries and hoping for the best because they're unable to make proper appointments with the morticians. You know, uh, imagine being a mortician in China right now. I mean, just imagine having to deal with this. Um, you know, anybody that lost a family member that's dealt with a funeral home knows what that's all about. So, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're overwhelmed. I mean, quite literally, I mean, you're, you've got bodies backed up. I mean, they would have to do, I mean, literally they're, they're trying to do 10 or 15 a day. I mean, think about that. How do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, how do you do so many? And, you know, there's only, there's only so many crematories going on. These people are dying by the tens of thousands. Look, this, this virus is hitting China so hard because they don't have, they don't have the natural immunity to the virus like we have in this country. They just don't have it. Now, why don't they have? Well, because they were locked up and hemmed up and welded up into their houses. And their country, their, their nation's leaders are, are, are basically, uh, they, they, they have no sensibility and objective truth in their brains. And what's happened is the evil in there, and this is how you know that there's evil in this world, because the evil clouds the minds of people to see truth. That's what it is. And what's happening in, in, in everything we do, and we're seeing this right now in, in the world, and it's just an amazing phenomenon. I'm sorry to say, but it really is sad. And, you know, all these people are dying in China right now. It's going on. I mean, you know, uh, in, in Beijing, uh, they've... Uh, They've uh, basically uh, forbidding the private transportation of bodies to funeral homes. So now they're doing it in Beijing. Instead, families have to contact the funeral home to request a pickup because it might not happen for several days. Well, somebody dies of an infectious disease and you can't get it for several days. Think about that. Somebody's in your house, they pass away, and they got to be there for several days. You know, as they say in good King James English, he stinketh much. I mean, think about that. Think about what happens to a body after it's passed away after two days or three days. Imagine for a person dying in a funeral home saying, you know, you're going to have to make an appointment for us to come by, you know, and, and you know, you got to request a pickup. So it could take a week, several days to get us over there. So you're going to have to line up at the crematorium just to get your number, like, like you know, like buying, a, you know, by going to a meat counter, a deli. In a grocery store to take a number, you know, number 66, please, you know, because, I mean, after all, you're lining up to, to be served. So there's so many people dying right now that they're they're lining up to take a number, literally. I mean, it's and there's a lot of people in the queues at 4.30 a.m. 
they're doing cremations 24 hours a day. You know, they're, uh, you know, you got crem cre crematoriums, if you will, uh, basically saying they, they wouldn't even be able to get a number for two days. I mean, think about that. So we're so backed up, you can't get a number for two or three days. Think about that. And then when you finally get a number, you got another two days, another day or two. It could be three or four days to get the person cremated. It's unbelievable. And it, it really gets to a uh, a point where the, the body starts to deteriorate. You know, on a, on a little side note, uh, it's interesting that, you know, what happens to a body, obviously the, the breakdown uh, of the of the of the body itself, you know, with it, it breaks down biologically as it starts to uh, decay, if you will, and break down because of after it's dead, okay, the cells are dying and of course the, the flesh starts to break down and decompose. And uh, if they were in China right now, because we're in China right now, they can actually turn their bodies because the Chinese have passed but the Chinese. The communist Californians, communist Californians, not the communist Chinese, the communist Californians have recently passed a law that says if you die in California, you can you can elect to have your body turned to compost. Okay, so I mean they can always elect to do that. I mean the communist Californians have figured out a way for overbearing and over over overflowing uh, uh, you know deaths if you will to cre the crematories. We'll just turn your your loved one into compost. Believe it or not, the Chinese uh, they they could maybe take a page out of the communist Californians book and. Uh, you know, maybe turn their people into compost. I don't know. I mean, it's just a really sad thing when you think about it. So, you know, yeah, California, they're turning their loved ones into compost. And, you know, there's no over, there's no reward crematories there, you know. So, but it's just an amazing thing, you know. So here they are. I mean, uh, earlier in the week, funeral homes, and it was on Bloomberg. I think Bloomberg reported it, that they're, you know, they're attempting to clear this up, the, the backlog up by limiting mourners to no more than 10 minutes of grieving. So there's another report out of Bloomberg. So, what they're doing is they're they're doing all these bodies, and we talked about this, right? So, I mean, if you've had a, a wake, or I should say a, a viewing, if you will, uh, at, a, at a funeral home before they do the cremation, it really, it, it's a couple of hours. So, and they, what they're doing now in the funeral homes is they're, they're, they're saying, okay, we've got a lot of people lined up for funeral homes, so they're going to have to line people up and limit the morning to 10 minutes. So, only in a communist country can they tell people, that they can only grieve and mourn for 10 minutes. Think about that. Think about how they have no rights. Think about the lack of rights in China. So when we as objective citizens here in Southeast Pennsylvania, okay, because we are objective here in the Delaware Valley, and we know the objective truth when we see it and when we hear it. That's why you tune into our show, because you want to hear the objective truth. That So when, you're, when your friends and family members, uh, when you're chatting with them and they're talking about, you know, they're talking about China and, you know, you're trying to explain to them, how it is in a communist country and how horrible it must be in a communist country. When that occurs, okay, uh, you know, you, you can you can reference the fact of how they handle the deaths of all these people that, <clears throat> because the funeral homes are so overwhelmed, that the Chinese government literally limited the mourners to no more than 10 minutes of grieving. So, you know, you got people coming in, their loved ones dead, and, you know, and, and they're like, okay, well, you got 10 minutes and then the, you're going to hear the bell go off. And when the bell goes off, you need to move on so we get the next body in. I mean, think about now they're trying to handle this. This is the way it's handled in a communist country. This is the way it's handled in a state country, a, a, a country that's run with the state having rights and authority over the citizens, like the citizens have no rights. Well, how do you know you're living in a country where the citizens have no rights? Because the government can say they can limit your morning to 10 minutes or less. Think about that, folks. Think about that and chew on that. Uh, it was also noted uh, on some article I read that uh, big city Chinese hospitals 
are stacking patients in hallways, asking them to bring their own bed and treating them in the streets outside the hospital. Now, you can see this. I mean, you can actually see where they actually have lines on the sidewalk where IV bags can be hung. I mean, this is what you're seeing right now in China. I mean, it's what you can see. This is an amazing thing. Greece, Germany, and Sweden announced restrictions on Chinese travelers on earlier in the week, last week, Thursday. And uh, they joined the list of countries that require recent negative coronavirus tests from Chinese visitors. So China's restrictions on outbound travelers are due to be lifted on, you know, tomorrow. But the heavy Lunar New Year travel season is just a few weeks away. So you got everybody all the world saying, we don't want your Chinese virus here. So nobody comes here without being tested, double tested, and triple tested, okay? The World Health Organization, uh, basically, I mean, we all remember what happened a couple of years ago when the World Health Organization said there was no problem in China and there was no contagions going on. And, of course, then they, they you know, they, they had all the problems. So we know how accurate they are, the WHO, not, okay? They're, they're wanting uh, the hol- uh, basically that the holiday, the, the, the Chinese New Year, which starts, uh, it starts in about uh, two weeks, okay? Actually, it starts two weeks from today, I believe. Okay, so uh, but it usually brings the biggest migration on the planet as people head somewhere from some city. And, you know, they're visiting family in small towns and villages. So, you know, they're saying that this could spark another infection wave in the absence of higher vaccination rates and other precautions. You know, folks, few, few countries are announcing restrictions on Chinese travelers are Asian, which I think is interesting. So the Asian countries are allowing them, okay? I mean, you got Malaysia and Thailand have announced un- underwhelming plans to test the wastewater from airplanes to see if passengers were infected. Uh, that's really, I mean, I, I, that's unusual, okay? Uh, the Chinese tourism is a huge industry across Asia, except during the new, the Lunar New Year. So they're opening themselves up. So if there's any question as to whether or not Thailand or Malaysia are putting the health of the people first, Ask yourself this, uh, why aren't they putting restrictions on Chinese travelers? Instead, they're checking the wastewater on the airplane to see if there's any infection on the plane. Now, that's their answer. And then what? First off, I'm not even sure they could test that. But even if they were able to test it, then what? You've got like 300 people on a plane. Do you take everybody on the plane and, you know, house them all? I mean, what do you do? Quarantine them all? I mean, this, this is kind of the insanity you see right now. And I, I just think it's a kind of an amazing thing. So we're seeing a lot of this mishandling of, if you will, the Chinese plague that's out there. And of course, you got these celebrities all passing away. That's getting the attention, okay? It's getting the attention because th- th- there's no way, I mean, there's no real, there's no specificity, if you will, on how many of these these people, I mean, I haven't seen any numbers, if you will. I haven't seen any of it that, where they say, you know, how many, how many, of, how many of these Chinese celebrities are dying? But there was a an article that I did see where a Beijing doctor told uh, some some news agency that that um, all the people that are dying are revered superstars of the Chinese scientific firmament who would receive the kind of top quality healthcare normally reserved for the high Communist Party officials. So they're 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 talking about the people that they're seeing that are dying. That's what they're seeing. Death tolls are climbing. The doctor told everybody. He's you know basically said that this doctor in the article that I read stated that the top quality healthcare is just a little different these days since the coronavirus tidal wave has left Chinese hospitals so overcrowded that patients have to linger in hallways and lobbies. You know, it's it's really an amazing thing. I mean, you know, the evidence, if you will, of prominent deaths calling the Communist Party's zero fatality claims into question, such as 
you know the uh, the the the, uh, the Singhua universities posting that so many obituaries last month drew notice on social media, and a fewer a few younger, highly active scientists were dying while working on high profile projects, including a pharmacologist who died while while working on a coronavirus treatment. I think that's an amazing thing too. You know, I mean. A lot of people in China are upset a lot. And it's on social media. It's, and the social media users are angry. And they're citing the, the celebrity deaths. Uh, to quite, they're citing these deaths, questioning the, the official claim of only 22 deaths nationwide since December. Uh, you know, one hashtag on China's Twitter-like microblogging platform, which is Weibo. I think it's called Weibo. Quickly a- accumulated 220 million views by citing the prominent deaths as evidence that the regime is deliberately undercounting for fatalities. I mean, so there was a story on social media, the uh, the China's answer to Twitter, if you will, and uh, literally 220 million people viewed it like instantly. I mean, talk about viral. That's about as viral as it gets. You know, it, it's amazing. Just we, what we have to realize is this is, what, this is what's going on. This is what's going on right now. And, you know, this is causing the economy to crash and burn. So what you're seeing right now is you're, you're seeing, uh, I believe there was a... Uh, of story that came out talking about Dell computer chips. You're seeing the supply lines that are actually changing right now, which is really a win for America. Trump always talked about changing the supply lines out of China. So China's trying to open their economy because they see that these companies are phasing out all computer chips being produced in China. So China's losing a lot of this business, if you will, this industry. They're losing it. They're losing it, okay? Uh, Dell reportedly... uh, Plans to phase out computer chips made out by next year. The company's also informing suppliers that they should shift their production out of China or risk losing Dell as a customer. So Dell's telling its suppliers to significantly reduce the number of components in its products that are made in China because they're trying to make an effort to uh, change the supply chain, if you will, as concerns over tensions between the U.S. and China grow in the tech community. So what they're saying right now is these concerns, and and, the companies are starting to see this. So what happens when these, you know, when the rhetoric heats up in these countries and we start seeing it? I mean, what, what's China doing now? China's going after Taiwan, okay? They're doing like, they're having 70 warplanes and 70 ships basically get across the Chinese Strait. They're doing mock war drills, if you will. And what happens is they, they look like they're going to invade the island and they veer off at the last minute. They do it. They do it like several times a day, every week, every day, every week they're doing this. And what's happening is, it's showing the, uh, the, basically, they're trying to lull the Taiwanese into some sort of a, you know, a, you know, some sort of a comfort, if you will, that it's not going to happen. And then when it happens, they're going to be like, oh, it happened. And then, you know, they're invaded, okay? And I just think it's an important thing to understand because it's happening. So they, 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 they do these mock, these mock invasions and, you know, they just kind of veer off the last minute so that suddenly they, it's not a mock, it's a real invasion. And then they're hoping the Taiwanese won't be ready for it because they'll be thinking they're going to veer off like they always do. But whatever the case is, all this saber rattling is now concerning uh, these industries that have a lot invested in getting the products made. What they're seeing is what's happening in the auto industry. See, all these auto chips that are being made in China aren't being made. Now, a lot of it has to do with the COVID lockdowns, but they're just not making them. And so there are no new automobiles. So they got to change the way that supply line works. So they're now making chips in other countries. They're doing that because, you know, they by changing the supply line, they'll have more control of the supply and obviously more control of having the product in the marketplace. So China sees this happening. They're getting concerned. That's why they're trying to open their economy because they see these businesses pulling out.
And uh, so they've opened their nation right now and people are dying like crazy. It's just an amazing thing. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't look, they have a billion people in China. Why don't we just say a billion one or something like that? If they lost a hundred million, they were, they'll, they'll lose one out of 11 people. They'll lose like 9% of their country will die. They lose a hundred million people. Now in this country, we lost a half a million. Okay. Now what's going on in China right now is going to be a lot worse. It's going to be millions. And, and we, we already know because the crematories are being overwhelmed as we just discussed in the prior, you know, prior, uh, comment. And we, you know, so we're seeing it because the, the, look, the ongoing tech war between the U.S. and China has been accelerating electronics makers efforts to diversify production away from China. This is what's seeing right now. And it's, again, it's no small task given that much overseas manufacturing has been based out of China for so long. It's look, it's an aggressive goal. Okay. But this determined shift involves not only those chips that are currently made by Chinese chip makers, but also at the facilities in China of non-Chinese suppliers. So if suppliers don't have res responding measures, they could eventually lose orders from Dell. That's the, that's what they're talking about. So Dell's domestic rival, Hewlett Packard, has also reportedly begun surveying its suppliers in order to determine the feasibility of moving its production and assembly out of China. So they're trying to do it. Hewlett Packard and Dell shipped a combined total 133 million notebooks and desktop computers in 2021 out of China, according to their data providers. And again, uh, most companies are assembling, their assembly takes place in the Chinese cities. So Dell's reportedly uh, asked these suppliers of other electronic components and product assemblers to help help coordinate and prepare capacity in countries beyond China, like Vietnam and others. Okay, they're trying to do this because it's a it's a win win for Vietnam. Okay, computer makers such as like I said, Hewlett Packard and Dell, they're they're uh, they want to have they don't want to have they want to have worry free supply. Okay, because they want to keep their manufacturing humming. It's look, it's a change of attitude, change of direction in the industry, but it didn't take a whole lot of people by surprise. Certainly didn't take us on our show by surprise. We we saw it coming. Thousands of components for notebook computers and the ecosystem was so was so ma ma mature and, and complete in China for so many years. Okay, this is what you're seeing. And they knew that Dell kind of had plans. I mean, you know, it's really interesting. The Chinese kind of knew they had plans to, to, to kind of get out of China. But this time it's it's kind of radical because they don't they don't want their chips to be made in China anymore. I mean they have concerns over the U.S. government policy, and it's not just an evaluation. It's not cry a wolf. It's a real ongoing plan. It like I said, trend. It looks irreversible because I think it's going to happen, and that's delicious, folks. That's the truth you can bank on in Denver. You know when contracted by when Dell was was uh, Dell basically confirmed it in another story that they were exploring supply chain. Uh, diversification, if you will, by getting out of China. China is an important market where we have team members and customers to serve, but the company did not comment on its detailed diversification plans to best meet their customers and partners' needs and expectations. They have geographic diversity, flexibility, stability built into the global supply chain. China's going to lose this. I'll tell you something. They're nervous as anything. They're probably as nervous as a cat in a, in a, in a room full of rocking chairs. I think that's what they're looking at. They're just, they don't know where to go with this. Now, the U.S. government ramped up its crackdown on China's chip sector, citing national security concerns. So last October, it unveiled several strict controls on exports to, to the U.S. And as a result, uh, Chinese chip maker SMIC announced in November that some of the U.S. chip developer customers had become hesitant about placing orders with this firm. 
And again, the tension has provided a fresh motivations for companies to shift their supply chains. This was this was stuff that was put in place because of COVID, and and obviously the trade deals that Trump made. Don't don't miss that. This isn't anything Biden did. This has to do with the trade deals that Trump put into place. You know, Apple even plans to start making its MacBook notebooks in Vietnam by mid 2023. So Apple's going to be moving its manufacturing of MacBook notebooks into Vietnam. I mean, this means the company's going to have some alternative non-China production bases for all of its major lines. This is going on. Now, I'm thrilled to see this because anything that takes China down five pegs is something that I'm, I'm excited to talk about on our show because we are truly America first here. We all know that. And uh, But it's really interesting. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on right now in the House. And uh, I guess they're going to be a flash deal. There was some sort of, a, you know, they, they, we, you know, it's really an amazing thing. You had, as of yesterday, they had six GOP holdouts. They should be able to get this through, I think. And uh, but what's going on there is it's you're, you're seeing, I think, individuals. You know, what you're seeing right now is a fight right now for the for the, the platform and what they're going to be doing. I mean, McCarthy knows he, he's going to be there. He, he always has known this, I think. I mean, uh I think they, they should be able to pull this through. And look, um, I think, you know, bottom line is uh, people like Dan Bishop from North Carolina, Breckine from Oklahoma, Cloud from Texas, Clyde from Georgia, Donald from Florida, Miller from Illinois, Norman from South Carolina, Perry, Scott Perry changed his vote. So you got some Trumpians like Scott Perry changing their vote. A lot of these people, they came, they, you know, they, they flipped after three days of intense negotiations and holdouts on various house rules and other vows and other vows as they pushed to change the, sad, the status quo, as described to many of them. Look, McCarthy appeared to have reached a breakthrough, and they're going to add, they add their vote. So it's going to be, I think, look, McCarthy's going to be a speaker that's, that Trump endorsed him. We know that Trump endorsed him. And, uh, and, you know, what were they trying to get? I mean, I, I think what they, uh, it's still, you still see people that are voting against them, like Matt Getz and Andy Biggs. I, I find that pretty compelling. You know, but I know that Donald Trump supports McCarthy. So with that being said, I mean, I'm all right with it. I think, look, I think the Republicans are going to be able to take care of the Hunter Biden situation. What I think is interesting is the Republicans are going to be investigating Hunter Biden. And, and of course, we got to watch out because Chris Matthews made some comments. Of course, Chris, Chris Matthews got nothing but good advice for Republicans. I say that, uh, obviously, tongue-in-cheek because we know that Chris Matthews does not like Republicans. So when you take somebody like Chris Matthews who, you know, He's going to be a fake cheerleader of the Republican Party. So here he is making claims that listen to my advice so you don't have another O'Biden presidency in two years. Okay, so let me listen to what Chris Matthews says, because obviously Chris Matthews has a direct interest in not having another O'Biden presidency. Not. You know, this is what's amazing to me. So this guy goes out there and it becomes a story. You know, why did his comment become a story? His comment that Republicans need to lay off of Hunter Biden or, or else. Why is that a story? Why is that a thing? Who even believes that he has any advice that's workable advice for the Republicans? Who thinks that that guy has any advice that's in the best interest of the Republican Party of this country? Any advice he gives Republicans is going to be tainted and, and marred by his bias towards the communist left. You know, I'm just amazing on that. So, I, you know, what? why is he out there doing this? You know, I, it just, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he you know, he's, he's a legend in his own mind. And he believes that, you know, he believes that, uh, after all, uh, you're going to find, uh, you know, you'd be, I, I look, I just think he believes that he's a legend in his own mind. He thinks that people are going to be listening to him because after all, 
he's the guy with all the answers and he has the best interest of the Republican Party. I think he's ridiculous. But I want to get something. I want to get in a movie attendance. You know, it's funny. We've been talking on this show about woke shows that are coming out of Hollywood and the detached audiences that are out there right now. See, in the last four years, movie theater attendance dropped half. It's now half of what it was in 2017. Now, we can talk about the excuses of the pandemic, and a lot of people want to talk about the pandemic, say, oh, you know, the pandemic. Well, there's some truth to that. I mean, no cinemas were closed in 2020. But make no mistake about it, the last couple of years, movie theaters have been open, okay? Uh, people people want to go to the movie to see, and they do go to the movie to see movies like, you know, Top Gun, okay? I mean, they'll go see Top Gun, okay? Or Avatar, okay? They'll, they'll go see those blockbusters. Uh, but that's it. I mean, people who crept out of their homes to see everything everywhere all at once, um, Elvis, Uncharted, Nope, or Where the Crawdads Sing. I mean, you know, and all these all these other loser movies, The Lost City, The Ticket to Paradise, The Women King, all these movies cost between 60 to $130, $150 million to make. And nobody wanted to see them. Nobody went to see them. Nobody went to see them. So, you know, so right now you got Hollywood blaming blaming streaming or the China flu and, or the collapse of the movie industry. You know, I, I personally think they're 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 citing anti-science. So, you know, that's what they're doing here. The only difference between 2018 and 2022 is appeal, okay? In 2018, individual titles and the idea of going to the movies in general appealed to people, you see? So that's what changed. That That's, that's what's over. And that's what's dead. See, in the last four years, the theatrical attendance was declined again by 50%. To put that in perspective, if, if 80 million people went and saw movies, now 40 million people are seeing movies. If 40 million people went to see movies, now 20 million people are seeing movies. And again, if it costs a billion dollars to make the horrible, you know, I want to say a billion, but if it costs a billion plus dollars to make the horrible uh, bottom 10 movies of all time, if you will, like a, you know, 1.2 billion to make all those movies I just cited, just so they can have a few million people go see them. Think about that. It paid over $1.1 billion, $1.2 billion to make movies like Everywhere All at Once, Elvis, Uncharted, Nope, Where the Crawdads Sing, and so on. All these movies, all these movies I just talked about, to make those movies like $1.2 billion, and their total attendance, their total ticket prices, again, nobody went to see them. Nobody went to see them. And, you know, again, uh, it was just, I mean, that that's just what they don't want to talk about. See, the box office for 2022 ended with a little over $7.4 billion in domestic. So with $26 billion worldwide, that fell short of the year's weakest projections. Okay, so any financial analyst would say uh, the cap rate on that movie is very, very low. Now, what I mean by that is the investment of the movie versus the returns of the movie and how long it takes you to get your investment out. That's the cap rate. So if you're looking at a cap rate, and I mean, in real estate, that's kind of like in real estate, that's the term. I mean, I could I can use it for movies just for sake of comparison. So if it costs you, uh, you know, $100 million to make a movie, you want to get your movie money back in a couple of years. You certainly want to get that money back in the first year, but you want to at least be able to top it and make a little profit. So you hope you get $125 million in three years out of it, okay? Or two or three years. I mean, when nobody goes and sees it, the box office, like, like you know, I mean, I, I was read, I was studying on this a little while ago, a few uh, months ago, talking about the woman king, cost $70 million to make, okay? And after six weeks in the in the theaters, they gross less than $30 million. Okay, now, the, the, the they're going to be very fortunate to break even on this movie. And nobody produces a movie to break even. 
unless, of course, they're trying to promulgate some sort of a story. You know, make no mistake about it, okay? These movies, they're, 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 they, they're producing these movies while the pr- production people that are paying to have these movies put out there are trying to get their money back. They certainly want to get their investment back. So in real estate, for instance, when you make a purchase or investment, you want to get your money back in six or seven years. In a movie, you want to get your money back in the first year, okay? So when you put together a movie like Uncharted, it costs you $150 million to put out. You hope to get that money back in the first year, like at least be at $150 million after 12 months. And then after that, you got the streaming and all the others. So maybe you make another $20 million on it. You end up with $170, $80 million on a movie that costs 50 mil, $150 mil. I mean, you think, okay, well, that's something, but the profit margin, think about this, the profit margin on that movie is just about 10, 15%. You can't survive on a profit margin of 10 to 15%. So a profit margin that works would be 30 or 40 or 50%. So if it costs you $150 million to make a movie, then you want to get at least $50 million out of it. That's a 35% profit margin. If you can do that, I guess you can make money. Now, I, I'm, just, I'm not an expert at this, but I did say to Holiday and Express once, but the bottom line is, if you can make 35% profit in the first year or two, then, then I would say it's a decent investment. If you can make a 50% profit or more, that's a good investment. If you can double your money or better, that's an incredible investment. You look at some of the movies they put out there, like I said, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Top Gun. Those movies, those movies grossed a ton of money. Those movies grossed a ton of money, and you think about it, but they did. And, you know... When you can make that movie back, you know, I mean, think about it, uh, to get that movie back quickly, what ends up happening is you can, it's just an amazing thing, but you can pull it together. And the bottom line is you're actually making something special because you're able, I mean, you know, like a sequence, a sequel movie like that, okay? I mean, think about it, all right? Uh, like Top Gun cost $170 million to make, and it made a $1.5 billion. So literally Top Gun, and the Top Gun didn't double its money. Top Gun was eight times the money, almost nine times. So, I mean, you look at $170 million, 10 times that is, you know, $1.7 billion. So literally they made almost that in the first year. Think about that. In one year, they made a, a billion and a half dollars on a movie that cost $170 million. But the other woke nonsense movies that we're talking about here, think about it. The other woke nonsense movies, okay, you know, like, uh, well, like like the movie uh, Uncharted, which was $150 million, okay, that was that was a dead movie. I mean, $150 million, I don't think they, they broke money on it. So when they produce movies like that, and you, know, you again, you got to ask the question, you know, what is the, what is the, uh, the box office? I'm looking through my stuff, my stuff here. I'm trying to figure this out. I think it's, uh, I, I, I'm just trying to pull this up, so bear with me here, because I'm, I'm going through my stack here. But what's interesting is you look at the box office, like the movie Uncharted, okay? Again, that costs about $150, $150 million to make. Now, that movie actually made $400 million, so that one actually made two or three times what it costs to make, which is probably not bad. That's not bad. But some of these movies did not make that kind of money. I mean, Top Gun made like eight times what it was supposed to make. That's what I wanted to point out. So, I mean, you know, like I said, uh, what's interesting is, um, again, the some of these movies, like I talked about, you know, at The Woman King, I mean, it cost like $70 million to make. And, you know, what they brought in, I mean, literally through the streaming and everything else, they barely topped $90 million. So, they, they, you know, some of these movies were just complete flops. So, nobody went to see them. It cost $60 million to make. They made $90 million. So, what is their profit margin? Okay. And, again, this is after streaming and, and this is worldwide viewing. I mean... You would think, okay, their profit margin, you're going to want a profit margin of at least a doubling of their money. 
I mean, you see that. I mean, the, the measure of their success is maybe double, triple their money. Any producer is going to want to make something out of it. So if somebody says, uh, we're looking for an investment to put a movie together, it's going to cost us $60 million to make. And they turn around, they make, you know, a 50% profit margin. You're thinking, well, that's that's a good profit margin. Look, I can make 50% doing something else. You know, I, I can double my money. If you had that kind of money, you could double your money by putting it somewhere else. And there's so many other places. So, you know, it's not like they're running a business. I mean, you know, they're not like they're running a business, right? And they try to produce a profit, right? See, this is the problem with woke theology. You know, woke theology is not about making money. It's about promulgating a message. Again, so with theatrical, the theatrical attendance is down 50%. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. It was a bad, bad year. So box office for 2022 ended with a little over, little under $7.5 billion in domestic spending with $26 billion worldwide, okay? And and we just went into that. Almost 10% of that went to Top Gun. Again, that's far, far short of the year's weakest projections, okay? And that's just a fact that you can see, folks. So what really changed between 2018 and 2022 was there streaming in 2018 and 2022? Yeah, there was streaming. Was there a pandemic? Well, no. So what was it? You know, based on the actual hard box office numbers, even in 2022, people flooded the movie theaters if they want to see a movie. We saw that with Top Gun. But it didn't happen with these other ones. <clears throat> so the the woke virus is killing entertainment. It's not just killing movies. It's killing everything else. And the stock price of the future of these dreadful streaming services that are literally spending hundreds of billions of dollars, as with a B, to produce child giant piles of, of, of you know, not anything good worthwhile, okay, for their content. Giant piles of, 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 of nonsense, okay? And, and those of us... That are my age or so. I remember when the when going to the movies was like a thing to do. And now it's not like that. Okay, and believe it or not, there was there was a time I guess when Hollywood was so in touch with the American public. When we went to the movies to go to the movies, we decided to to go to the movies, and only then would we look at the newspaper to see what was playing, and we would check that out. We always checked the movies to see what was playing and where. We and then we went to the movies. There was a time when going to the movie was not a losing gamble of your hard earned money or your or your precious time. Why? Because Hollywood was in touch with customers. Hollywood's product wasn't as smug and elitist in Hollywood. Hollywood didn't lecture Hector or Badger and insult us. Instead, Hollywood entertained, enlightened, and inspired. And if parents paid attention to the rating system and the, and the very idea of children's movies, if you will, they could trust Hollywood to look out for the kids. Imagine, imagine that, a time without about all this nonsense that we don't want our kids to see. Look, the bottom line is we don't trust Hollywood anymore. And we shouldn't either, because look, the Ho Hollywood's hatred and hostility toward, well, towards America first and the salt of the earth Americans, okay, is so pronounced, it's, it's undermined the art and turned it into a, a sick hybrid of leftist, leftist corporate, corporate conformity, like a dull, boorish, silly thing that seeks to alter human nature into one thing rather than explore, if you will, the, the, the endless universe of the human experience. So, it's a lie, folks. It's what it is. And art is a lot of things, but it can never lie. Okay? It can never, never lie. So the comment, hey, let's go to the movies, is now met with the same the same spit that it says it's true. I saw it on CNN. Okay? I saw it on CNN. But what a shame. I just think it's shameful. The greatest form of art ever conceived has been annihilated by nepotism, commerce, fear, immaturity, and everything else, conformity, propaganda, everything that that makes art with everything, but but what makes art art, you know, which is individual expression. You know, they've already lost half of the movie audience and it's losing its backside on lousy streaming services. 
So, you know, what you're not seeing in this, and again, the cost of streaming services. So even though a movie might have made, like I talked about, The Woman King making $30 million because of the streaming services and the cost of streaming services, I don't think it made anything. Because you got to keep in mind, it cost $60 million to make the movie. And it caught tens of millions to run these streaming services. I don't think they're making a whole lot of anything. And they're probably losing money. You know, I I, I think on the, uh, you know, on, on some of these movies, you see it. I mean, like I talked about, you know, you, you realize, you know, on some of these titles that we talked about, some of these movies, like uh, the one I was talking about, the... Uh, Oh my goodness! What was the title on it? Um, the um, I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, it was it was one of those movies. The bottom line is, folks, a lot of these movies. Oh, it was the uh, it was the movie Uncharted. That movie made double, so it made three hundred million dollars according to the the box office numbers. But keep in mind, it cost one hundred fifty million to make it, and it probably cost another fifty million to stream it. Okay, so I mean, literally, it might have made thirty five percent markup. And, you know, that's just not enough. I mean, people can make a better markup with that money. And that's one of the higher, that's one of the higher ones of the, uh, of the horrible bunch of bad movies that came out. Like I told you before, it was, I mean, it cost, I mean, what I just reeled off, literally it cost them $1.2 billion to make movies that literally brought in a little bit more than $1.4 billion. So, I mean, you're looking at a profit margin of maybe 15 or 20%. Overall, on all these movies, I, I'm trying to break out some of them in the time we had together, but the bottom line is when you look at the, the bottom 10 movies, the bottom eight or nine movies that came out, cost like $1.2 billion to make, and they brought in maybe $1.4 billion. You're thinking, okay, well, $200 million, that's pretty good. I mean, well, actually, it's not when you look at the streaming costs and everything else and all the other costs associated with it. I mean, if they made a profit at all, it was an amazing thing, Okay. And think about all the manpower time, everything that went into making these movies for them to come out with a little bit more than a 15 or 10 or 15% profit margin. Folks, make no mistake about it. Okay, a 10% profit margin is what you sell, but what a, a merchant makes when they sell a newspaper. Think about it. A merchant makes about 10% on a newspaper, the profit margin. So if the profit margin on a movie is the same as the profit margin that you know a production company makes on a movie, if, if it's the same profit margin percentage, that a merchant makes when it sells a newspaper, folks, I don't call that success. I call that flopping, okay? So, you know, let's call it what it is on our show because I think we're pretty good at doing that, okay? And let's just say it is what it is. I mean, they've lost, Hollywood's lost half its audience and they're losing everything else that allows these streaming services they're going to continue to lose because they're putting out movies that people don't want to see. People don't want to be lectured to, okay? They, they, they don't want that. You know, they don't want to be, they want to be beat down. They don't want to be demon. They don't want to be uh, demonized. They certainly don't want to be lectured to. They, they, they want to know that they're being entertained. That's what people want. They want to see something that appeals to them, that they want to see. Okay. So what we're watching right now in the, in the movie scene, and obviously we're seeing it too on CNN. CNN, you know, they're not making, I mean, CNN has 400 million people that watch it every day. And you know, what's amazing. I was telling my wife this, we know like three people that watch CNN. Now, I know three people of the 400 million that watch CNN. I think that's pretty amazing, okay, of the entire planet, okay? Okay, not 400 million, I'm sorry, 400,000. Of the entire country, 400,000 people watch CNN every day. I happen to know three of them. Now, how about that? I know three of the 400,000 in America that watches CNN on a daily basis. Now, you know, folks, it's it's an amazing thing, but they're not trying to sell advertising. They're, they're not trying to put a product out that appeals to people. They're certainly not trying to report the news. They're simply trying to promulgate their communist strategy. They're the tantamount of the of the media that's lying to the Chinese people right now that's telling China, there's no COVID deaths here. 
when the body bags, as we stated earlier, at the crematories are stacking up. Folks, this is the truth you can bank on in Denver, and that's why you tune into our show. We've got to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for being with us today. Tune in later today for our show, The Watchman, that'll be on at 1 p.m. See you then, folks. Thanks again for being with us. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.